0: morning, church. Wow, it's so good to be here. So good to see each and every one of you here. So good to uh, know that we have friends and family online right now with us, joining us. You are with us in spirit. You are singing these songs to the Lord with us. And um, we want you to know that uh, you are not lost, you are not forgotten. And we, uh, we're just so thankful that the Lord has given us this body, this family, and um, it is such a gift, such an amazing gift. Um, So there's a scripture that God keeps bringing back to my heart, and um, maybe he's put it on your heart too, it's Psalm 90, I just wanted to read just a little section of that, and just thinking about um, just coming here today and knowing that each of us are bringing our own our own battle, you know, as we just are standing there lifting our hearts up to the Lord and we're crying out in song that um, the battle belongs to the Lord. And sometimes all we see, right, is the, is the cross, is the burden, but God sees the empty tomb. He sees the victory. And um, wow, that just, you know, that fills me with courage. It fills me with hope to know that, you know, my help comes from above. And I, when I, when I feel like you know, all I can see is um, just the shadows and the darkness and the hardship. That that's not the true reality. It's really not. And whatever the ashes look like, there's beauty. There's absolutely beauty in them from the Lord, and that's what He's doing. So this is um, <clears throat> this is the end of Psalm 90, and you know, the Lord just keeps uh, every day just calling me out of my weariness and my fatigue and sometimes just, you know, just to, yeah, just the, just the exasperation of life. I don't know if it's always been this hard for generations before but it feels really hard <laughs> if I'm just being honest. And um, it just seems so easy some days, right, to just want to give up. Not just give up your faith but just, uh, it's just hard to persevere. And um, this is a psalm that the Lord just keeps bringing me back to. So here it is. It's the end of Psalm 90, and he says, So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. And for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And I just want you to know and I want to remind myself that our work, our labor in the Lord is not in vain and the Lord will establish it. And just remember that in the morning you your Feeling like uh, you're just feeling the, the weight already. Feels like the weight upon the world. The world is upon your shoulders. It's not on your shoulders. It's on God's shoulders. And you can, you can take that step, and the psalm says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Just let's remind ourselves that the minute we, we step foot out of our beds and we, we take a walk into each new day, there's new mercies, and that steadfast love is there for us. And to be satisfied, we don't need the distractions. We don't. You don't need to escape. Just run to Christ. Run to Christ. So we um, we have our little QR code up there, and that's going to take you to today's scripture. It's going to take you to just some other buttons um, for online giving. Um, also, just. If most of you are aware, we don't pass a plate at Grace Life. We have a box in the back. One, it's for donations or offering, and it's also for uh, us to connect with you. So if there's something on your heart, and maybe you're new to Grace Life, maybe this is your first morning, and God bless you. Thank you for pressing on. Thank you for answering whatever the Lord is doing in your life and bringing you to his house this morning. He has something for you. If there's anything on your heart, if there's something we can pray for, There's uh, little cards back there on the box, it's in the lobby. Uh, Fill that out, drop it in the box, let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know what burdens you have, if there's a way for our church to serve you. And there's a way online too, there's buttons you can hit on there. Also, you can connect with us, you can send us a prayer request, just let us know what's on your heart. Um, And also any questions you may have about anything, anything, nothing's off the table. Um, And every Sunday we have a special welcome, this is for everyone. This is for um, those of us who have been here from day one. It's for you who are new. It's for you joining us online. This is, uh, this is how we, we start our, our worship um, after we, we sing our songs to the Lord. Just a reminder that uh, everyone here is, you belong. You belong no matter what you're carrying into this room this morning. Um, no matter you know, how sad you are, no matter how tired you are, no matter how much sin you have felt like has just, um, you've been overcome with. Uh, Today and this morning right now is this is your time This is your place to bring those burdens to the Lord and you are you are welcome in his house So to all who mourn and need comfort to all who are weary and need rest to all who who feel Worthless and wonder if God cares to all who fail and need strength to all who sin and need a savior to all who hunger and thirst after righteousness and to whoever else will come Grace Life Church opens wide her doors in the name of Jesus Christ and offers welcome. And we have our scripture reading. I'm going to read that as well. And we're taking a little break from Romans this morning. The Lord was just laying things on Tommy's heart over the last week or so. And so this is the song that, that God brought him to. And it's in Psalm 4. So let's start at, the, at verse 1 to the choir master with stringed instruments, a Psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin.
1: Good morning, Grace Life. I'm so thankful that you're here. It's uh, the tail end of Thanksgiving weekend. This is where everybody comes a little bit heavier, a little bit happier, maybe. Got a lot of starch in your body, and uh, a lot of people maybe would be really tempted to say, you know what, I'm going to rest this weekend. I really need to rest. I'm so thankful to see a good, full crowd today. Uh, welcome back. Welcome to Grace Life. I hope you had a, a thankful, Quiet, reflective holiday, and uh, we're really just getting started into the holiday season, aren't we? My name's Tommy Clayton. If I have not had the joy of meeting you yet, I hope I can connect after the service. I'm going to pause and pray, and then we're going to jump right into to Psalm 4. The title of this message today is Alone with Your Thoughts, Alone with Your Thoughts, which is where a lot of people begin to find themselves during this time of the year. So let's pray and ask for God's help. Lord Jesus, It is our joy to be here today. Thank you for that Grace Life welcome. I needed that today. I need you today. I need my church today. I'm so happy to arrive on campus and see people praying everywhere, encouraging one another with conversations, pointing one another to Jesus. And Lord, we all need to be pointed in that direction. We all need an affectionate friend to just grab us uh, gently by by the face or by the shoulders and turn us back to Jesus and say, there's the hope, there's the answer there's the joy that that your heart is so yearning for and longing for that we so often look for in the wrong places. We're shopping horizontally uh, to find what God has already given us vertically through his son. So help us today just be reminded of that again. Remove anything that would hinder or distract us, Lord, or would derail our attention. Just in the next few minutes that we have together, help us to just ponder very deeply this inspired word from your servant, King David, and whatever situation he was in, and his path to peace. We need that path. We need to find it today, Lord, and it's not hidden. It's not far from us. So be with us. Bless us. Anoint this this time together. Send your Holy Spirit to come and open our eyes. As Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, Lord, open the eyes of our heart. Help us to to rediscover together the, the depth of your love for us in Jesus, even in the Old Testament from this psalm. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There was an ominous news article that appeared yesterday online. I know, right? Ominous. I mean, what's that all about? Ominous breaking news. We, we don't really see much of those these days, do we? Yes, we do. We, that's all we see. That's, <laughs> that's a breaking newsroom protocol 101. That's what they're designed to do. That's what they're created to do, to elevate your alarm, to uh, DEF CON 5, to make you panic. Well, there was an ominous article... That appeared yesterday, and in, in big red letters, it simply said, "It's coming." That sounds like a, a new thriller movie or something, right? The thing from the from the Black Lagoon or some John Carpenter or Wes Craven movie. But it said, "It's coming." Now, this article was describing some uh, an alleged new variant called uh, Omicron. You know, you had the Delta variant of uh, of COVID nineteen, and and I'm not getting political, so I'm not going to give you a lecture on the on the mutations of viruses and the strand of proteins, but the whole article is talking about watch out, it's back, it's worse than ever, you know, Delta variant had nine uh, spikes in protein, this has 32, it may be already here, they've already discovered it in South Africa and Belgium and Asia and the Middle East, all these continents and countries and it's probably already here. Panic, be afraid, be alarmed, call for an emergency, uh, state of emergency, some states already have and then you find another article that says, yeah, not a big deal. Some people just have a cough and a sneeze. I mean, it's depending on what source you go to, what you're going to find. But I found the, the title of that article um, just to be a reminder to me that that's, that's the voice of the world. It's loud, it's, it's, it's wanting you to be afraid, it's wanting you to panic, it's wanting you to act. Things are not well, things are not good, everything is against you, it's coming. And maybe for you, it's not a virus. Maybe it's something. If for me, growing up in the 80s, I can remember three things. That it, Seriously, as, as a young kid, in ele- I remember sitting down in our elementary school in the library and having somebody come and talk to us about the killer bees from Mexico that were coming. That's a true story. I was eight years old. I was petrified. Petri- I'm allergic, I'm allergic to, to wasp stings, you know. And uh, a killer bee from Mexico, that'd be the end of Tommy Clayton, you know. So the killer bee's from Mexico, and then it was nuclear wars coming from Russia. And then it was (laughs) where I grew up, it was uh, devil worshippers that are going to kidnap you, especially if you're blonde hair, and I, I did have hair once, and it was blonde. And I have blue eyes, and they were targeting kids like me to take me away and do God knows what. And it's coming. There was just this ominous, just be on the lookout, things are not well. Be afraid, be very afraid. So the, the, title, the title of that article just stood out to me. It's coming, whatever it is. Whatever it is, an economic collapse or political pandemonium or an, a new spiking, mutating Omicron variant of this virus or civil war or Armageddon, whatever, whatever it is, it seems like there's always something coming. So sometimes we we shut down the news channel, we turn off the talking heads on the TV or the radio, we silence our phone, we close our laptop. Those voices out there, we we shut them down, and it's nighttime. This is an evening psalm, by the way. This is King David, it's late at night, he's trying to sleep, and he's very troubled. So all the voices out there are shut down, but there's a problem, because now we've got this echo up here, bouncing around, right? And we can't shut it down. All these voices are, they're loud, and we want it to be quiet. We want, we want to reflect. We want to meditate. Meditate, by the way, biblical meditation, it's, it's not emptying your mind like, you know, some of the Far East meditation practices and techniques. It's filling your mind, filling your mind with divine truth, and David's trying to get to that. He's got all these troubling voices in his head. He's alone, in a sense, with his thoughts, and He's troubled. And I think if we're honest, especially when the holidays hit and things slow down out there a little bit, we're still left alone, maybe at night when it's time for bed. One person called this the a psalm for the insomniac, and we got all these voices. We got all these scenarios that we're playing out. Financial hardship. It's coming. What is it? Financial hardship, or collapse, or I'm going to max out the credit cards, I can't pay the bills. The kids' college fund, deeper conflict in my home, more parenting struggles and stressors. Maybe I'm so afraid it's coming, that phone call from the school, or I'm going to read my spouse's text and find out that's what I thought they're being unfaithful, or they're being dishonest, or they're being deceptive, or more sickness, more chronic pain, more mystery illnesses, more missed work, more unpaid bills, or more loneliness. Maybe it's coming is the opposite for you. It's it's never coming. The friendships I long for, the spouse I want to have, the romance, the children. Or maybe it's just anxiety, depression. Or in David's case here, it's persecution, it's suffering. The opposition out there, it's getting closer, it's getting louder, it's getting more pronounced, more defined. Did you know that 62% of Americans struggle to fall asleep? 62%. 62%. There we, you know what? There we go. It's one off on my slides for some reason. That's all right. We'll make it work. Yeah, that's. A, have you ever felt like that? That guy's face says it all, right? 62% of Americans struggle to fall asleep. What's keeping us up? Is it anxiety, stress, fear, the version of it's coming? Here's, here's how uh, 2,000 Americans answered this survey. 37%. Of those 62%, I know statistics are a little bit crazy, 37% say they replay the day's events in their heads. That's me. I don't know if any of you are replayers. I have instant replay. I don't even wait until I get in bed at night. I'm replaying conversations. I'm replaying the sermon that I preached. Like, man, that was a bomb. Man, I laid an egg. Man, I missed the gospel opportunity, the underhanded softball pitch. I'm replaying scenarios. But a greater number, 41%, say they suffer anxiety over what's happening tomorrow. What am I going to wake up to? The same things I went to bed to, trouble, potential conflict. It's coming. When I was in England, I went to England once a long time ago, and a friend of mine over there, Tom Dreon, he took me to a place over in Oxford where there is a cross in the street. It it almost looks like a mosaic tile that was put down there. And he said, did you know, did you know, mate, that this is where Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were burned alive at the stake in 1555. And I said, bro, I had no idea. He said, yeah, this is where the Oxford martyrs took place, two of them. Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley, or Ridley, they were burned at the stake. They fell under the ill will of Queen Bloody Mary. You've heard that phrase used before for their Protestant beliefs and for not supporting her ascending the throne. Instead, they were supporting Lady Jane Grey. And so they were arrested. They were tried for treason. They were also accused of heresy, and they were sentenced to be executed by being burned alive. I mean, try to wrap your mind around that. They, they were stuffed in a tower for days to wait on their date of execution. Shoved up there and said, now nah, you just think about what's coming. And they did. The night before Ridley was to be burned alive at the stake, this is what he did. He shaved He took a bath, then he sat down to eat a nourishing meal, and he was asked about his odd behavior. He was laying out his best clothes, and they said, what in the world, my friend, are you doing? He said, I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. I'm getting married tomorrow. It's my wedding. Whoo! I like that, don't you? Tomorrow's the wedding feast of the Lamb, finally. That's why he was acting so odd. Well, his brother came to him, and he said, look, man, I'm going to stay up all night with you. You've got to be petrified. I know you're afraid. I know you're anxious. And he said, no, my brother, No. No, no, you need to go home and be with your family. He said, I'm not staying up all night at all. This is what he said. I plan, God willing, to go to bed and to sleep as quietly tonight as ever I did in my life. (laughs) What's his secret? (laughs) What did he know that I can't wrap my mind around? I think he knew what David knew in Psalm 4. Maybe he had this psalm in his mind and heart. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That word safety, by the way, it means trusting and unafraid. Trusting and unafraid. Does that describe you? <laughs> trusting and unafraid when you're alone with your thoughts, but you're troubled and you're anxious and you're fretting and you're envisioning tomorrow's opposition and persecution and conflict, or you're replaying today's failures and sins and shortcomings? That story of Ridley puts me in mind of Psalm 4, because that's what was going on with David. He was brooding. His thoughts were accosting him and assaulting him. Like 62% of Americans, David is recounting his day, and he's dreading tomorrow. But something changes in the psalm. I love psalms like this, because something changes in this psalm. He starts out very troubled, very distressed, but he ends saying, you know what, God, if you're staying awake, I'm going to bed. (laughs) I'm going to bed. You're sovereign. You're on your throne. You've got this covered. You're for me. They're against me. They're opposing me. But what in the world am I worried about? I know God. I've got everything that they want, that they think they have. I've got it all. I'm going to sleep, trusting and unafraid. Well, how did he do it? Was it melatonin? <laughs> was it chamomile tea? Was it Unisom? What was it? And by the way, let me, let me just say this. I'm very sympathetic to people that have either physiological, biological, hormonal problems going to sleep. I'm not picking on you at all. Our family has suffered from that. I've seen it firsthand. It's terrible. And sometimes you need help. Sometimes it's good to see a doctor. Not everything is a spiritual attack. Not everything is because of a lack of faith. Sometimes your body needs help. So I just wanted to give that caveat there. I wouldn't want anybody that has a biological, physiological problem going to sleep at night. My my wife had that severely, and we had to get help, and we got it, thank God. Sometimes our response to that needs to get adjusted, because things that aren't spiritual problems do have spiritual responses, right? But that's another sermon for another day. So this is where David was at. How did he do it? Well, the first thing he did was he realized the absurdity of my sermon title, Alone With Your Thoughts. Is that true? Are you ever, as a believer, as a child of God, as a Christian, Blood-bought child of the king. Are you ever really alone in any situation with anything? No, you're not. And he realized that. That's why he cries out for help. In fact, if I were to give a New Testament title to this Old Testament psalm, or just a phrase, I would say, here's David showing you and me, OT style, how to take every thought captive. That's what Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, take every thought captive. Every thought captive. Maybe that was Colossians. He said it somewhere, okay? He said, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How do you do that? How do you capture this thought that's that's accusing you, that's accosting you, that's troubling you? It's held you prisoner, and you say, aha, I'll turn the table on you. You're my prisoner now. How do you do that? David shows us how to do it, and even though this is a really short psalm, this is so deep, man. We could spend I know I'm I'm the pastor that says this all the time, we could spend weeks plumbing the depths of this. So this is gonna be the ten thousand foot view. I'm not gonna parse every verb and and uh, jot every I and cross every T here. But just three three thoughts today for our, our outline, okay? Um, there's, those, there's those brothers that were, uh, man, there's such a story to that. I wish I could tell you more about when they were burned at the stake. One of them turned to the other and said, Play the man, Master Ridley, for today we shall light a candle in England that I trust by God's grace shall never be put out. Probably not what I would say as I, as I was lit on fire. But you know what? Those guys had a faith and a strength that, I think it's very elusive for us today. We're so distracted, and man, they were, they had a really good grasp on what I'll, I hope to communicate to you today. So here's our outline for today. Three, three thoughts. How do you get from a, a potential panic or troubled, anxious thoughts? What's the path to peace? Well, there's three points here. One, the helper we depend on. Two, the history we belong to. And three, the hope we rest in. The helper we depend on, the history we belong to, and the hope that we rest in. That's our that's our outline. So point number one, the helper we depend on. Look at verses one and two again with me. And I'm thankful that uh, Sarah read the, the subscript. Man, don't miss, don't miss those whatever version of the Bible you have. In the ESV, they're on all caps. It says, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. That's inspired. That's part of the psalm. It's in Hebrew. It's spirit inspired. Don't don't overlook that, because this tells you, number one, who wrote this psalm, and two, what is it? It's, a, it's poetry. It's a song. This is David's song. Now, I'm not a musician, but I know some, and I know lyrics are really important. Man, you toil over those things, right? They're very deep and meaningful and profound. You don't just scribble down. And by the way, we'll, we'll talk about this another time. What does it mean to be inspired? These men who were being moved by the Holy Spirit, did they go in a trance and shut their eyes? No. No. God used their experience, their vocabulary, their wisdom, but he controlled it with his Holy Spirit, so it was without error. But this is David, and he's writing down his experience, and he's helping us. This is a prayer, but it's also a song. It was set to music. So all of Israel would be singing this at some point. They would be led in this, in this song. So David says this Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. And then he says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. And you're going to see that word selah twice. We have a a song at the end of every sermon here that we call our song of reflection. It's a selah. That, That means to stop. And quietly consider and reflect on what you've just heard. And in David's case, he's quietly pondering and reflecting on what he just said, what he just wrote. David's preaching to himself here. He's taking these anxious thoughts captive and giving them a a gospel twist, a gospel spin, right? So he's saying, I'm troubled, I'm anxious, but I'm not alone. O God of my righteousness, hear my prayer. You are there. You are my helper. You are a very present help in time of need. I am never truly alone. I'm never without strength. I'm never without help. I'm never without your presence. You're there. You care about me. You have numbered the hairs on my head. You've bottled every tear. You know every tragedy, every affliction, every lie. Every time I've been maliced, every time my character has been assassinated, you know, Lord, you're keeping track of this. You're not aloof. You're not very a distant deity. You are right here, right now, a very present help in this distress. And I need you to hear me again, God. You you are the God of my righteousness. I'm trusting in that. You, You are my vindicator. You are my cause. You know the sincerity of my heart. You know I'm a recovering sinner. I'm probably not truly innocent and blameless in this. But you are for me, and I want to be with you. He's crying out. He knows that he has a helper. I love this song because it comports with life. For the people that say, you know, the Bible just doesn't seem relevant. Um, I want to be nice when I hear that and when people are maligning the Bible. I just want to say, man, what part of the Bible are you reading? I'm having a totally different experience. Totally different. This was written thousands of years ago. And it's as if David is sitting down talking with me at Starbucks. And he says, man, I know I've been there. I know how it feels to be accosted by your thoughts. And here's what you got to do, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down with David having coffee, and he's like, man, we got to go to God in prayer together. we got to take these thoughts, we got to redirect them to God and say, God, hear me, I need you. You are defending my cause. You are my vindicator. You are my righteousness. It's not, David, by the way, is not saying, you're the God of, look at how impressive my good deeds are. He's saying, Lord, it's your righteousness. God of my righteousness. All my righteousness comes from you. I have nothing good dwelling in here. It's all you, Lord. So this is kind of a rehearsal of the gospel in the Old Testament. David knows he's a sinner. He knows he's absolutely helpless without God and God sending his Messiah to step in and offer himself in his place. He knew all that. The psalm comports with life. It does not assume that our lives are conflict-free and easy, and that gets my attention. God understands that. He meets us where we live, right in the middle of our white-hot mess, our exhaustion, our fatigue or I've had it up to here, or I'm, are, I'm so stressed out, I don't know what I'm going to do. God meets us right there. He knows. He understands. That's why Psalm 23, another psalm of David, says, God makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Why? Because we can't find them on our own. Does God ever have to make you lie down? We won't do it on our own, will we? We won't do it. We're so troubled and all over the place, and God says, my child, be still. Be quiet. Sit. Sit, reflect, ponder, hear me, be with me, sit with me. This is a a psalm really about quiet reflection, but it has distress, it has accusations, it has lies and anger and shame and scandal, but it also has hope and it has help. And that's why it comports with me. I'm right here in Psalm 4. A lot of the times I find myself here. I'm in bed, I couldn't sleep last night. Part of it was working on this this message, you know, the sermon's like a cake. It's always in the oven. But, but another part of me is just replaying things like, man, why did I do that? Or why didn't I do that? Or what's tomorrow going to be like? It's Thanksgiving weekend. This is the weekend that nobody goes to church. Seriously, guys, this is, I mean, just being real. These are the thoughts of your pastor. We're all quietly pondering something. I love the poet. I never say his name right. Somebody help me. Henry David. Thoreau, thank you. Who said that? Got a poet in the audience and didn't even know it. He said this, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. I find that that resonates with me a lot of the time. I'm ashamed to tell you that. Quietly desperate. I'm smiling. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. I don't remember your name. So hey, brother. Hey, sister. (laughs) You got this smile and you fake it till you make it, man. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm doing great. We talked about the finitist thing here before, right? fake it till you make it no fake it till you break it Henry David goes on to say a stereotyped but unconscious despair is concealed even under what are called the games and amusements of mankind man this was before the age of social media or of you know the iphone but man what would he say if he saw us today if he saw our social media accounts this is this is a saw man that just cuts through the filter on your instagram right <laughs> this is like, no, I, I know what's really going on in there. Quiet desperation. Isaiah 26, 3 says this You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. Fixing your mind on God equals perfect peace. But it's fixing your mind on him that we find so challenging and difficult and sometimes impossible if we're honest. How do you do that? David is showing us here, he's showing us the path. When we suffer from opposition or persecution, when our minds are stuck in a loop or stuck on replay, he helps us lay hold of the peace that passes understanding. He shows us how to give expression to our troubles, how to cast your anxieties on him. First Peter 5 tells us that. Cast all your anxieties on God, for he cares for you. God of my righteousness. So that's how he starts out the helper that we depend on. And I, would, I just want to ask you a question. Do you view God the way that, that David does in this opening psalm? Do you view him as your helper? Do you feel and believe that God is favorably already disposed favorably towards you, that he is for you? Your, your concern is not petty to him. It's not superficial. I talked to somebody in our neighborhood the other day, and we were talking about prayer, and he said, oh, goodness, he said, there's There's probably 2 billion people in the world praying to God right now. He doesn't need to hear what I have to say. And I'm like, my friend, yes, he does. Yes, he's got a treasure of mercy to pour out on you. He's waiting on you to ask. You have have not, but not. You know, Jesus said in a parable he told to his disciples in Luke 18, he said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. We lose heart because we don't do the first step here. We skipped, we're like, I want the peace at the end. But friends, you got to go through the prayer. God wants you to wrestle with him. And listen, praying to God, you are not overcoming God's resistance. You are laying hold of his willingness. It's not a cat and mouse game here. God's not holding out on you. God wants to bless you. He does. By his nature, he is a giving God. He's a God who hears prayer, who answers it. So that you can abound with the good things he wants to give to you. The the chief amongst those, the peace, the shalom, comprehensive wellness and wholeness. That's what that word means. He is a loving heavenly father. He delights to hear and answer the prayers of his people. And listen, you have an open invitation to walk right in his presence at any time for any reason. With boldness, with confidence, knowing he's going to be there, seated there with arms wide open arms wide open i hope that's the the image that you find of god when you are struggling and feeling reluctant to pray well god's angry he's disappointed in me i don't have any business being in there listen the 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 floor of the throne room is sprinkled with the blood of jesus not the sweat of your effort you belong there he wants you in there he died so that you can go in there whenever you need to so show him how valuable his atonement is say god i'm taking you up on this I'm coming to your throne room. I'm crawling. I'm barely going to make it, but I'm coming. All you're going to get all of me. And God says, that's all I wanted. I wanted all of you. I wanted those places of you that you don't talk about in parties, that you don't put on your Instagram account. Bring that part of, of you to me, and we'll deal with this. He can keep you in perfect peace. You've got to drag yourself into his throne room and say, God, here I am. Take me. Take all of me. Take this mess of, of me and change me. And he wants to. And he says here, how long? Do you see, man, how deep this psalm is? How many times do you find yourself saying that? Lord, how long? How much longer? How much longer is this going to happen? And I know some of you want me to make a social, do a social commentary about, no, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about all the, I have my own version of how much longer is this stuff going to happen? It's not just the things going on in society, it's the things going on in my own heart. Like, Lord, cure me, fix me, heal me. There's 14 different times in the book of Psalms where the psalmist says, how long, Lord? How much longer is this going to happen? Two of them are right here. And they're all over the Bible. And God understands that. And it's not sinful to ask that, by the way. In fact, if you were to go to heaven, and you can, if you read the book of Revelation, it takes you there over and over again. In chapter 6, we get this heavenly glimpse of an altar. And there are souls underneath the altar who have been slain for Jesus. They've been beheaded, they've been persecuted, they've been killed, executed for their faith. And do you know what they're saying? You know what they're yelling out under that altar? How long? How long, O oh Lord, until we're vindicated, until you take vengeance on this. And you know what, you know what the angel of the Lord says up there? He he offers them a white robe and he says, A little while longer, rest. Rest. Guys, it's not always going to be like this. Can I tell you that? Whatever trouble you're going through as a child of God. It's not always going to be like this. Change is coming, and I don't say that as a politician. <laughs> and they all do, don't they? Change is coming. It's going to be better. It's going be, to be awesome. No, no, it ain't. It ain't going to be awesome, man. Those political promises are like, <laughs> political change is like the unicorn, the Bigfoot, and the mermaid of life. It just doesn't exist. It's not out there. All those promises, you know that by now. You don't have to even be a Christian to realize that. It's common sense. Those politicians are just as broken as the world they're trying to fix. They don't have the answers. But God does. That's why we talk to him, not them. We talk to him. He's got the answers. Thank you, both of you. (laughs) All creation groans for this kind of resolution. And it's okay to groan. We groan. Creation groans. Even the Holy Spirit groans in Romans 8. Everybody's groaning. And I think, honestly, I was talking to my wife about this. The last two years have pushed so many people in the numbness. Do you just feel that numb? That's a sc- I want to tell you this. That's a scary place to be. Even physically, when you study people that have breakdowns, uh, or even, we live in Florida, and so many people every summer suffer from heat strokes. You know, they say, as long as, I'm so hot, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm so dehydrated, and they say, are you sweating? Yeah, that you're okay then. It's when you stop sweating, look out. That's when you're in serious When you... Just This is for free today. You didn't know you were going to come and get, uh, what's that place called, on the WebMX, WebMD. If you're in Florida and you feel like you're getting overheated and you're getting dizzy and seeing, you know, blue lights and you stop sweating, call 911. That's that's not good. That's, that's the version of I'm numb. I'm not feeling anything. Like, oh, you're in a good place. No, you're not in a good place. That is a terrible place to be. But that's the people that I talk to as a church planner. That's where a lot of them are. Even Christians, even some of you, they're like, no, nah, I just... I just feel like I'm so numb to all of it. None of it troubles me anymore. Nothing troubles me. The Bible doesn't move me. I don't know. I'm just kind of out there just existing. That's not a good place to be. That's where a lot of people are right now. And Psalm 4, Psalm 4 can, can help us with this. Uh, point number two. Let's move right along here. <laughs> point number two. The history we belong to. The history So when you're praying, you're like, help me here. So what do we do? Okay, God wants us to pray. He understands. This psalm meets us where we live, our white-hot, messy life. Then what? How do you pray? Well, this is so instructive. Check it out. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Do you hear what David's doing here? He's not counting sheep here to go to sleep. You know what he's doing? He's counting God's past deliverances and rescues. Hey, listen, here you are, all of you are here, and I guarantee you, if you just stop right now and reflect, just on, forget last year, reflect on this week. How many times, or this is the first day of the week, last week, how many times has God rescued you? Maybe just from you last week. How many times has God proven himself faithful? How many times? Now, just start from there and go backwards. Last week, last month, last year. Last decade, how many times has God proven him? That's what David says here. He says, you have given me relief in my distress. Those, it's kind of a play on words in Hebrew. Relief and distress, one of them means narrow, restricted, uh, tight place. I'm in a corner, I'm hemmed in. That's distress. And the other one is broad place. I was hemmed in, I was in a tight place, I was in a corner, and man, you put me in an open plain and set me down. It's like you took me from this treacherous place god and you set me and you said now you're free you're clear you're safe you got you can graze now here's your pasture there's the still water here's the green meadow i'm here i'm your shepherd You're your sheep we're good he's saying god you've done this in the past you know this this sounds so simple it, it just escapes most people when they pray this is the place where you start praying you're like lord you are a god who hears my prayer And you are a rescuing God. You have rescued me so many times. And so I know this situation is, see, it brings you into the present. You start in the past, it brings you in the present. You say, this situation is no different. Why am I even worried about this? Am I thinking God somehow is out the lunch on this one? It's like, God, I know you've rescued me from some pretty crazy things, but I don't know about this one, God. I mean, this is pretty rough. These people, they're vindictive, they're angry, they're malicious, they're slandering me. They're gaining traction. And by the way, that, that word, uh, how, how long, oh men, in, in Hebrew, it's, he's saying sons of men, he's, he's saying nobility. These are people that were powerful. They were people who had clout. These were, you could say these were the, the influencers. These were the people with YouTube channels telling you the worldview you're supposed to have, how you're th- supposed to think about money and fame and beauty and popularity and sex and identity. These are the people that they've drawn a huge crowd. And now, suddenly, they've targeted David. They said, yeah, 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 he's God's chosen, right? Well, is he? Look at him, though. He's not much to look at. And you know what? He's not really for you. Look what he did with Bathsheba. That's your king. They're slandering David. Some of the things they're saying, no doubt, are true. As Martin Luther said, when the devil comes to you accusing, don't meet him on his ground. A lot of the things he's going to say are true, even though he is a liar. When he says, man, you're a sinner and you're not worthy of God's love, that's true. That's true, right? He can help you in that regard. You say, you know what, Satan, you're actually right. Broken clock, clock is right once a day or twice. Anyway, uh, that's right. But you know what? I have an advocate. Jesus died for my sins. He paid the penalty. Thank you for the reminder, Satan. I'm not here in my merit. I'm not here because, I, because God, I, I'm worthy. I'm here because he is. He made me worthy. I forgot where I was at. Yes, he will answer. God will hear your prayer. He will answer. And that's what happens. You take yourself back into the past, back into history, and bring yourself to the present. You say, who are these thugs? Who are these people? God, hand- God can handle them. He has, I'm not the victim here. <laughs> they are. Their foot shall slide in due time. Now listen, I want to tell you this. I don't want you to get the wrong idea from this point in the sermon. Because I love what David does here. If, if we're careful and we read this psalm, David helps us to take the high ground. Because actually, some some Bible scholars and people who write commentaries, they're they're not exactly in agreement. Is this David preaching a sermon to the enemies of God? Because he seems to be addressing them. He says, "Oh men, how much longer are you going to slander me? How much longer are you going to shake your fist at God and turn my glory into shame? And he's speaking as God's chosen anointed king, which we know points to a deeper reality. Jesus is God's chosen anointed king. And so, the, and so the greater opposition is against Christ, the Messiah, right? But they can't agree. Is David actually preaching to his enemies? I don't think he is. I think he is in his bed and he's meditating. But all of his thoughts, he's taking them captive. And he, it, it's as if he's talking to them, but he's really praying. He's talking, he's talking to God. Have you ever done that? You're like having this conversation with people. Now look, I think they got the memo. This was Remember Music. They were, they were going to, these enemies would come into the temple because they were hypocrites. They were worshipers. They were there every Sunday, and they would hear this song. The message would get to them. But I think what David is doing here is he's rehearsing. He's helping himself. He's putting in perspective, who are these people? These are actually God's enemies. Who do they think they are? What are they doing? Woe to him who strives with his maker, Isaiah 45.9 says. He's saying, look, guys, look, friends, it can't possibly end well for you. <laughs> God has set apart for himself those he has chosen. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, I didn't make myself king, man. I was a shepherd. I was way out there. I was the seventh son. I was was the lowest dude on the totem pole in my father's clan. And Samuel, it's his fault. He came and got me. He anointed me. He made me king. I didn't anoint myself. I didn't put a crown on my head. So remember, you're messing with me. You're messing with God's chosen. Do you know who my father is? It's that kind of idea. And he's saying, this is not, can't possibly, you are planting the seeds of your own destruction by opposing me. You're opposing God. And what David is doing, if, if we pay attention here, he is helping us take the high ground. David's not, he's not angry here. In fact, that's what he tells him. He says, stop being angry. Lay down. Be quiet. Think about what you're doing. Ponder your path. Reflect on how this is going to end. It's not going to end well at all for you unless you turn, unless you offer right sacrifices now, that's the Old Testament way of saying, you need a sacrifice for this. <laughs> you have sinned. You've resisted God. You've rebelled. You've transgressed his commandment. And somebody is going to have to atone for you. Either you can, you can try and atone for yourself and see how that goes, or you can trust Christ. That's what he's saying in the Old Testament. But he's, he's showing us how to take the high spiritual ground. Let me say it this way. I think the last thing that the world needs right now is more angry Christians. Can I can I say that I'm when I'm online I just I just secretly started a Twitter account just so I can snoop around. Don't try to find me. You, you ain't gonna find me. You don't know who I am on there. But I follow some people that are I think are solid Christians. And man, I'm I'm gonna have to cancel. I just can't hardly handle it. It's there's all this anger out there, and I'm thinking, man, this is not hell. This is, there's like a fire already burning, and Christians come mis, misguided Christians, and they're throwing gasoline and diesel fuel. And the world's watching, and it's like, man, there's this Christian civil war over stupid things. It's not the gospel, the essence of what do you have to believe to be a follower of Jesus. It's over like fourth tier, fifth tier things. And that's the last thing that the world needs right now. And what David is doing, he's calling us to high ground. He's saying, look, they need, they're watching. What they need is to be reminded. They need, I'm appealing to them. Rest in God. Lay on your bed. Don't be angry. Trust God. Fear God. Tremble. For what's ahead for you, so David starts reflecting on God's past deliverances, and really, honestly, friends, some of my favorite psalms, some of the most powerful and 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 uh, reflective psalms, do this. I remember when I was a kid and I would read a psalm, the really long ones. To me, when I was an unbeliever, they were boring. It's like, man, this is just like a history catalog. It's like, God, remember you did this, you opened the sea and you pierced Leviathan and you, you brought us through the wilderness and you were the sun and you were the shade. And I'm thinking, man, I already know all that. But, but do you realize what the writer of that psalm was doing? He's reminding himself because we forget. He's saying, God, you have been so good to me when I didn't deserve it. I was in Egypt, I was a prisoner, and I had Stockholm syndrome. I didn't even know I was identifying with my captors because I'm blinded. Even in the wilderness, I was longing to go back to Egypt, to my captor, and you were so gracious to a rebel like me. Lord, you parted the way. You provided shade during the day with a blistering heat in the wilderness, and you provided warmth in a cloud covering, or the Shekinah glory, the fire at night. You kept me warm, and you have always been there for me. You've always provided. This is David rehearsing how good God has been to him, and friends, we need to take our cues from him. Because there's so many thoughts that are accusing us. We need to redirect those thoughts. Say, look, I'm going to take you and I'm going to re-aim you back there. Why don't you start thinking, don't count sheep, count God's deliverances. When Sarah went through her affliction with postpartum depression and she was meeting with a good pastor friend of ours in California, he kept telling her, he would say, there's always one more deliverance than there is affliction. There's always one more deliverance. One more. (laughs) Isn't that good? so that's what David is doing. He is reminding these people of their future. And it's okay to do that. You know, can I, can I, can I let you guys in on a what shouldn't be a secret? I cheated the other day, and I, I read the end of the story. And guess what? We win. <laughs> we win. It does not bide well for the enemies of God at all. We win. We are more than conquerors. We have overcome the world through our faith, the Bible says. He has made us more than conquerors. So don't feel defeated, don't feel deflated, don't feel like you have to, oh, I'm a Christian and I just kind of got to keep to myself and mind my own business. No, you don't. No, you don't at all. God has called us to be the agents of change because there's other people out there that need rescue. We belong, we belong to the God of history. People are talking about you're on the wrong side of history, you're on the right, listen, there's going to be a different opinion on what that is, but I I know whose side I'm on (laughs) and he's for me and he's with me. And he's controlling history. People say that history is cyclical. It's, it's, it's like circular and it repeats and it's not. History is linear and it's coming to its ultimate conclusion and God is bringing it there. And it's going to not, I mean, the enemies of God are going to be calling out to the mountains and the rocks to fall on them and the caves to hide them. And the Bible says there was no place found for them. It's not going to abide well for them. So how are we doing on our time here? We're doing all right. We're we're closing now. Don't worry. Last point: the hope we rest in. Look at this. I love this. the The last part of this psalm is verses uh, verses six and seven and eight. There are many who say, "Who will show us some good?" I believe David is now talking to his talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ. These aren't the enemies of God. These are people that just felt so deflated. They're not doing what David's doing. They're laying in bed and they're just letting anxiety swallow them. And David is now talking to them. But in doing so, he's talking to himself. Look what he says. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Now just hit the pause button, pull the car over for a minute. Have you ever, have you found yourself asking that? Lord, is anything good going to come out of this? God, can you just, can you just give me a glimpse of something good? Can you just do something for me? Can you, can you bless me? Can you give me more things? And they're beginning to adopt the arguments of their enemies. Like, God has never done anything good for you. Who will show us some good? And this is David's answer. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. The wor- you look out there and we think the world has everything and we have nothing. But actually, we have everything and they have nothing. And I don't say that vindictively. Charles Spurgeon said this. (laughs) He said, better is Christ in the heart than grain in the barn. Right? Now, that's the 1800s version of that. But better is Christ in the heart than what? What is it that you want? What material, physical possession do you think God is holding out on you? Listen, God gave you his best. He gave you his beloved son, the most valuable, precious thing to him. He gave him. That's what the gospel is. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Christ. He sent Christ to a sinful world filled with rebels and people that are guilty of cosmic treason. He, we, we saw this in Romans 5 last time. He died for his enemies. How can we possibly think that Jesus is going to hold out on us? Hold out on us when he already gave us everything that he had. That's the argument in Romans, right? If when he died for you while you were his enemies, shall he not also live for you so that you may be saved from the wrath of God? So this is his argument. This is what's filling his heart with hope. Do you see David? He's turned a corner here. He's fine now. He's counted his blessings. He knows that he's on, he belongs to history. He has a helper he can depend on. So now this is the hope he's resting in. He's saying, God, you have given me so many things. History belongs to you and things are going to turn out really good for me. Very soon, I'm going to be standing in the presence of God and I'm going to have everything my heart could ever long for. And whatever, whatever five-second glory or pleasure I've ever experienced here is going to pale the second I stand in the presence of Christ. I wish the church talked more about heaven. Man, I tell you, I want to. I think I'm going to do a series. I've preached on it before. I'm going to do a series on heaven, maybe when we're done with Romans here because I'm just so enthralled by what I see. Uh, you know, the Bible says that Satan is a slanderer and a liar and a deceiver, and he slanders God's people, and he slanders, the Bible says, God's place. He tells lies about what heaven is like. It's like some ethereal, floaty, wispy existence where it's, it's hard to work up uh, a longing and anticipation and excitement for some of the Google images that pop up when we think of heaven. You see fat angels flying around in a cloud. And we think, man, I'd rather be here, friends. We have no clue. The Bible says God's going to restore this planet. He's going to recreate everything. He's already recreated you. That seed of restoration that's in your heart that's growing... That's just a little window into what all of creation is going to be like. Glorious, restored, Everything's going to be at peace the way it was intended to be in in the Garden of Eden. We're going to be at peace with God. We already have that, Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified, we have peace with God. That's the greatest peace and shalom we could ever have. We are at peace with our maker, and they are not. And they desperately need to hear this message of priest, of priest, Mike, of peace, shalom. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. You want to be reconciled to your maker? Go through Christ. Amen. Well, listen, guys, there's a lot more we could talk about. Let me me end it, okay? Verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's where David was at. That's where Nicholas Ridley was at. My wedding's tomorrow. I'm getting married, finally. Go away, brother. You don't need to sit up all night with me so that we can be anxious together. I'm going, I'm going to get the best night of sleep in my life because tomorrow I shall stand in the presence of Christ. I will both lie down. That's the first verse that we ever made our kids memorize. You guys have probably forgotten it since then. But we used to make you memorize that every night in California. We would lay down and say, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone. Nobody else can do this. This is, this is what's interesting. The whole world's after this. I want to lie down in peace. I want to I have a quiet, reflective moment where I am untroubled. And the only one who can usher that in for you is the one that the world is opposed to. So we need to take this gospel. We're going to get charged at the end of this message uh, to go out there. Again, it's the holidays. People are singing songs about it. They don't even know what those songs mean. Till he appeared and my soul felt its worth. I love that song. People are singing about being rescued from the wrath of God and they don't even understand it at Christmas. You can remind them of that. That is the best news in the world, that Jesus Christ gave his life for you and for me so that we could be at peace with God, we could be at peace with ourselves, we could be at peace with one another. We could lie down and rest in peace, unafraid and trusting. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this, this powerful reminder in this psalm. Help us to take the same pathway to peace, Lord. It's our thoughts get troubled. We get deprived and robbed of, of true rest and sleep, and you want us to, to see this is a formula for us, Lord. This is a path. This is a gift. We can do this, and David does it all over the place. All the other authors of the psalms do this, and they do it continually when we read in the New Testament to, to sing to one another, make melody in our heart. And, and sing the songs of the saints to one another. Remind them, Lord, of the, of the path we're on, the history that we belong to. God is enthroned above, and he loves us, and he is for us. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, we could never say that our, our cup is half full or that our cup is half empty. Our cup runs over, Lord. We are filled with your blessing. We are filled, God, with your love, with your steadfast love. And, and, Father, when we think about what awaits those who have not trusted in Christ, the enemies of God, we think there is a, a cup for them too, Lord. It's the cup of your wrath. And it's coming. That's what's coming. The wrath of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming. It's coming, and nothing can stop it. But praise God, somebody stood in the path of that wrath and absorbed and drank every last dreg of that cup on our behalf. For those of us who are trusting in Christ, the, the cup of wrath has been drained by Jesus And the cup of blessing has been handed us, Lord. And we celebrate that together. Every communion and really every day when we consider the good news of the gospel. Thank you for that. I pray if there is anyone here this morning, Father, who has not tasted your goodness. Who has not tasted and experienced your love. And has so desperately been longing and searching for this peace that we read about here in the Old Testament. I pray that you would arrest their thoughts today, God. And place them on the cross. May they see that Jesus came. And lived the perfect life that we could never live. He died a horrible death that we all deserve. And he rose from the grave on the third day. And he offers forgiveness to all of those who put their trust in him. I pray we would all rehearse that again today, Lord. We would just say in our hearts, Lord, I trust you. I am a sinner. I am in desperate need of your grace. I have gotten myself in such a mess on my own, Lord. I have ran as far away from you, as fast as my sinful legs could carry me, and I need rescue, and you are the God of rescue. You sent Jesus to rescue me. Please forgive me of my sins. Please help me, Lord, to repent and to trust you. Be my Savior. Be the the Lord and rescuer of my life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our praise team is going to sing a song of reflection. They're going to do a version of "Say and as you sit quietly in your seat and ponder what you've heard today, I want you to know we got a prayer team here in the back that would love to pray with you. and And I know it's always awkward when uh, it's always awkward when you you maybe feel the urge to do that, and you feel everyone's eyes on you, and maybe you're a secret private person. And I don't want you to feel undue pressure. I just want you to know this. If you need to pray with somebody or you want somebody to pray with you, please don't leave this place today without that happening. Even if it's when when all the music is said and done, when the amens and the charge is given, come and find me. Come and find a member of this worship team. Come and grab somebody on our prayer team and say, would you please pray with me? Would you lift me up? Would you carry this burden? It is our joy to do that. That's one of the one another's. Pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. So uh, we're going to sing that song of reflection. Our prayer team is in the back then we're going to hear some really important uh, announcements, and uh, we're going to be dismissed. So, praise team.
2: There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood comes flowing. the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life, I'm in of you, I'm in of you, where your love ran red, and my sin washed white, I owe all to you, I owe all to you. a place where sin and shame are powerless. Where my heart has peace with God and forgive Going down at the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of You. I'm in awe of You. Where Your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to You. I owe all to you. Here my hope is found, here on holy ground. Here I bow down, here I bow down. Here, arms open wide, here you save my life. Here I bow down. I bow at the cross, at the cross. I surrender my life. I'm in awe of You. I'm in awe of You. Where Your love red, red, and my sin washed white. I owe all to You.
3: before we head out. um, The first, I'll see what, the first will be uh, next Sunday. If you are a student in the sixth through 12th grade, or if you are a parent of one of those students, we are having a lunch after the service next week right over in the cafeteria to talk about the new student ministry that we will be launching. We would love to see you there, there will be food. We'll talk about what this thing's gonna look like we would love to get to know each and every one of you guys, and uh, we're extremely excited to get this thing off the ground, and we're just going to share what our dreams, what our hopes are for these students, for this next generation of the faith. Um, also, if you saw in the lobby when you came in the, uh, the Christmas tree made that uh, Diane and I believe the, some of the Clayton kids made, um, that is our ministry this Christmas season, So each Sunday from now until January 2nd um, you can bring uh, personal hygiene products. We are partnering with Deltona High School um, providing basically anything from deodorant, shampoo, um, anything like that for students here um, who have needs. Um, There's even students here who um, identify as homeless and we can provide these things for them. Um, So please pick up Any of those items, if you go to the church center app uh, and hit the events tab, there's more information for that. Uh, But each Sunday that tree, the crates that you see stacked up out there, um, just give those um, products there and we can serve this school and those students in that way. Um, Lastly, we have some Christmas parties coming up. Uh, This year we're doing each community group will be hosting their own party. So if you're part of a community group already, Get with your, your leader, your host home, they'll give you the details for that. If you're not part of a community group, um, also on the Church Center app on the events tab, you can see where all those locations are and choose, uh, just pick your poison. Go to a party, and, uh, or you can just go to all of them, you know? Just do a tour of all the community groups and, and maybe that'll be the way you can settle in with one. Um, but we're gonna, gonna celebrate together in groups that way for this Christmas season. Um, All right, before we go, I will read our charge. You guys can stand with me, and we will read it together, and then we will be dismissed. I am a witness. I have been called to minister to my neighborhood in both word and deed. God has given me his word to equip me, his spirit to empower me, and his love to motivate me. I pledge my life for the gospel you have been sent